Well, hey, I want to I bring a message to you tonight. Um, y'all, y'all glad to be here? Are, are you? Okay. Because I, I want to, I, wanna, I, I wondered as I was getting ready for tonight if, uh, you know, coming into, this is the last first Wednesday of 2020. It's the last first Wednesday of 2020. How many of you, uh, how, how many of you are ready for 2020 to be over? Just, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those years, right? I get it, I get it, and it's been, it's been a crazy year. So what I want to do tonight is I want to bring a message on the topic of uh, certainty in insecurity. Now, don't, don't think too much about the, the, the verbiage and whether it's grammatically correct there. What I'm really trying to say is uh, certainty in the middle of insecurity. When you're insecure about something, what can you be certain about? Come on, right? What can you be certain about? And, and uh, if I know anything about 2020, it's this. If, if there is one thing that is certain about 2020, it is this. Nothing is certain about 2020. <laughs> you just don't know, right? I mean, from, if there's one thing for certain, it's that nothing is certain. I mean, from COVID to People losing their jobs because of COVID to schools shutting down. You're going online, homeschool. Parents thought you would never do that, and here you are. Some of, some of you are homeschooling your kids now. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's going from, like, well, should we play sports? Should we not play sports? We're uncertain what we should do. Uh, then, then, we, then we hit the election season, and we don't know. It's uncertain or certain. Racial reconciliation. Is, you go to the store. I don't know whether there's going to be toilet paper or not. I'm uncertain <laughs> about that. Uncertain. And I remember uh, Y2K. Who remembers Y2K? Anybody old enough? If you're 25 or older, you should remember Y2K. It was an uncertain time, wasn't it? We were a little uneasy. We were a little insecure during Y2K. For those of you who don't know what Y2K is, it stands for the year 2000, all right? And it's 1999. We're uncertain whether we're going to make it to the new millennia. (laughs) We're uncertain about this new decade, this new century that's coming because everybody was telling us that the world's going to come to an end. This is it. The calendars... The, the, the Mayan and Aztec calendars only go to the year 2000. Y'all remember that? It's like, what does this mean? Uh, and all of the computers only went to the year 2000. And, and, and we could have mass hysteria. There could be nuclear explosions and planes crashing. It could be catastrophic. I'm un, we're uncertain. I'm a teenager in high school at the time going, this is a lot to take in. I, we were uncertain. And, and if you are... If, if you've kind of, if you thought you had it rough going to the grocery store to find out there was no toilet paper for you there, try going to the grocery store back then where there was nothing for you to buy. The shelves were bare back in those days. Some of you, some of you had all the food in your garage. We know where you were keeping it. You were prepping. You had, you, you, had, you had years of canned food in your garage. You're still eating beanie weenies from 1999. <laughs> still eating beanie weenies. I mean, oh, that's rough. You got those MREs, those, that, that freeze-dried food that you're eating from 20 years ago because you're not going to let it go to waste, right? 
I mean, it's, we were uncertain about those times. And so I, I guess, you know, kick off a little bit with some humor tonight because 2020 has been a heck of a year. It's been one of those years that it's been, it's been tough. Uh, but the truth is, um, hey, Y2K was tough. 2020 has been tough. But here, here's, here's my confession. My confession is that this year I've been through, I've had some insecurities this year. I don't know about you, but I've had some insecurities. I've dealt with some stuff this year, personally, professionally, church stuff. And, and if I can just be vulnerable and transparent with you for a little bit tonight, because I think that does you good sometimes to know that your pastor doesn't have it all together, uh, that I got issues, just like everybody else has issues. And, and I've had some insecurities this year. Um, you, before, uh, I, I, let me say it this way. I know that we don't measure we don't measure the health of the church solely on how many people show up. I know that, right? But it is a good indicator, right? It's a healthy indicator to, to know how many people are coming and all that. So before COVID, we were, you know, 620 people were showing up on a weekend. And man, that's pretty good. That's awesome. And then after COVID, once we came back from, from being online for a little bit, about half of that was showing up. And I'll be honest with you, it was... Making me insecure, like, did I do something? Did I, did I hurt these people's feelings that they're not coming back? I mean, what, did, did I offend people? And, and I was dealing with some insecurities about it. Then, then um, you know, we've never, I've never been in the driver's seat going through a, um, a building project. And, and this building is a, an answer to prayer. It's just a godsend. I've never been through, I'm, I've been on a team, as you know, on a church staff as we went through a building project, but I never sat in the driver's seat. And there was times when I thought, well, what if I fail? What if I don't do it? What if, I, what, what if, what if this doesn't pan out? What, what if I don't know what I'm doing? What's going to happen, right? I was a little insecure. I never thought in my life that there would be a time when we would not have church. When, when we would just, we really, our hands would be tied and we couldn't meet. I never thought that that day would ever come. And it came. And, and, and we're, we're going online and, and you know, when we, when we start meeting back and it, like, I, I was insecure about it all because the Bible says don't forsake the assembling of your, yourselves together and man, it's so good to just rub shoulders with people sometimes and I was just, I was insecure. I struggled with it a little bit. I shouldn't say a little bit, I struggled with it. Just say I struggled with it. Uh, we, we never, we before the pandemic, we didn't, we didn't do church online. We never streamed a service, and quite frankly, we'd never planned to. Like, it was, in the, it was in the plan in the future down the road, but we weren't ready to stream. Like, we didn't have the equipment. We, didn't, we wanted to do it excellent, and, and so then we had to start streaming, and, and you know, all these new people are watching our service, and do, do they like it because it's the front door? What if they see something they don't like, and they'll never visit our church now because they saw or heard something that they thought they didn't like, right? Insecurities. You see how those things, will, they happen to us, right? Um, what, what if people leave the church? What if people leave City Hope? And can I tell you, some people have left City Hope, and, and it hurt, and it was painful, and there were, it, it, I was insecure about it all. And then we opened up for church again on September the 20th. It was incredible. It was powerful. Yeah. 
It was so good. I mean, we had more people here that day than we had on our launch Sunday. The very first service at City Hope, we had 639 people on the first Sunday here, relaunch. We had 659 people that showed up. And I, yeah, not about numbers, but I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe we're on, maybe we're on track. Maybe we're going to get through this. And then two weeks later, bam, COVID hit the church, and we had to shut down again. And, and then we... I felt like during that season, we were never more a team than we were during that season, getting ready to launch back the church again, and people were serving, and they were passionate, they were hungry, and they were on fire, and then COVID hit, and it was like half of them left again. I'm like, what happened? What did I do? Did they not trust me as a leader? Did I not lead well through this season? Did they think that I don't really care for, like, like what's going on? And, and I was struggling with some insecurities. Because I'm human, and we all struggle. We went online for a couple weeks, and we came back, and here we are. We're in the middle of At The Movies. Don't you love At The Movies? Isn't it it so good? We got one more week of At The Movies, and then uh, Legacy Offerings coming up. And y'all, I'm excited, excited to tell you some news about something that we're able to do in our community. It's going to blow your mind, all right? So I'm just saying, I'm just kind of letting you peek behind the curtain of my life, my insecurities for a little bit, and just, just to say, hey, I've been through some stuff. I've dealt with some stuff this year, and here's the thing, you have to. You may not be ready to admit it, but you've dealt with some stuff this year. I know some of you, when the, when the pandemic hit, you lost your job right off the bat. And you weren't sure how you were going to prepare and plan for your family. How are you going to provide for your family? You didn't know. You didn't know where that next paycheck was, was going to come from. I know some people that they, they started mowing yards. They started doing everything they could to just make a little bit of ends meet because they just didn't know where the next paycheck was going to come from. That caused you to be insecure because you're the provider of the family. And how am I going to provide if I don't have a job? Some of you are on the front lines of health care. You've been working so hard, but you're at a breaking point right now where you're not even sure if you want to stay in that career anymore. You're just kind of ready to give up, and you're kind of insecure about, about next steps and what's going to happen. Some of you have lost loved ones this year, and, and you're insecure about how do you go on without them in your life? How do I handle this? Some of you are you're insecure about the future about the next president or the, the current situation with the, with, with the election and politics and all, you're insecure about all of that. It's, it's wreaking havoc on your life. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to bring some certainty to your, in the middle of your insecurity, okay? Try to get some certainty when, everything, when things around you feel uncertain, let's bring us back to some certainty. So what I want to do is I want to go to the Bible, and we're going to look at the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul had some insecurities. I'm going to bust a rhyme right here. The Apostle Paul had some insecurities, y'all. Uh, you like that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me Skinny B. What's up, y'all? <laughs> I 
So there's, there's seven things. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life. He had some insecurities. Remember, he's on the road to Damascus. He's actually a pr- pretty secure guy, but for all the wrong reasons. He was, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was giving his approval at the murder and killing of Christians. He knew, who, he knew God, but not through Jesus Christ, right? And then Jesus shows up to him on the road to Damascus and just totally, totally just changes his life and now he's got some insecurities because everything he thought he knew, he doesn't know anymore. And then what happens to him? He ends up in jail. That'll make you insecure. No, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's got some, some stuff going on. So there's seven things, seven things that will cause insecurities in our lives. I want to talk about those real quick. And then I, I want to discover where we can have absolute True uncertainty in the middle of insecurity, all right? So if you're taking notes, it's not going to be on the screen. You're going to have to write it down fast with me because I'm going, I'm, I'm going fast tonight, all right? The first thing that will cause insecurity in your life is circumstance. It's a circumstance. You didn't want it. You didn't choose it. It happened to you. 2020 wasn't your choice. But here we are. Here we are, and, and, and it happened. So it's a circumstance, it's a hand that you were dealt, and it can cause insecurity. So a lot of, a lot of us have been through some things this year, we're, we're, maybe we're feeling insecure about it. I want to remind you what Ephesians chapter 1 says. Paul says this, that he makes everything work out according to his plan. He's going to take the circumstance of 2020, and I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know where it's all going to work out, but he's going to work it out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He's going to change this circumstance, okay? So how do we overcome, how do we overcome the circumstance, this thing that causes insecurity? We overcome circumstance by remembering whose we are, not who you are. Whose you are. You are a child of God. You are victorious. You are more than a conqueror. You are not a victim of circumstance. You are loved and highly favored and blessed by God. So, circumstance causes insecurity. But we can overcome it by remembering who we are. Number two, the second thing that causes insecurity is comparison. And social media is a culprit. I'm going to post my highlight reel. Y'all know what a highlight reel is, right? I mean, they, they don't call it a low light reel. They call it a highlight reel. You're posting the best things that have happened about your life. You're posting the best picture, not the worst one. You, 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 you're, posting, you're posting all of the highlights and none of the low lights. And, and if I can be honest with you, I've been messed up lately by social media. It, it's really, it kind of, it's taken a toll on me, and, and, and not in a good way. I mean, it's like a, I have found myself lately thinking to myself, why don't I have more likes than that? <laughs> I, I, I'm being serious. I, like, I'm going, why, why, I should have more comments than this. And, and I'm telling myself, hey, before the election, before all that, I was getting way more likes than I am right now. What's going on? Am I being censored? Is the church being censored? Because our, our reach is down. We're not reaching as many people as we were. What's going on? Right? And I start, I start this, all these mind games, these insecurities. The comparison game starts happening. Right? You start comparing yourself to other people out there. And, and comparison will strip you of your security. It will. Yeah, you know, I try to go to the gym try 
the goal is three times a week. We're, we're twice this week, right? So I, usually I go with me, Pastor Caleb, Pastor Bryce, and we, we go to the gym. And can I tell you, there's some, there's some guys in the gym that just will intimidate you. There, there's, some, there's some ladies too, all right? I'm just being, I'm being honest. They got a six-pack, I got a keg. I'm like, what's, what's up? Come on, like, what? They got, they got, uh, you know, they're all ripped and toned. They're in the mirror doing their thing, you know? And I'm like, hey, are, are you done with this machine right here? I, I'd like to use the leg press if you're not, if you're not using it. <laughs> it's comparison, right? We can compare ourselves to people in the gym, and I don't get too worried about it because I don't have anybody to impress. Come on, y'all. Ephesians 2 says it this way, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. In other words, it's nothing that you can compare yourself to anybody else because you did something. You can't take credit for the salvation. God saved you by grace. See, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so no one can boast about it. So you, you, can't, you can't play the comparison game. Well, at least I'm not like that guy over there because you didn't have anything to do with it to start with. Salvation is a free gift from God. So he says we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he's planned for us to do. Comparison will strip us of security. Causes us to be insecure. So how do we overcome? We overcome by embracing our uniqueness. We're all different. There's no reason you should try to be somebody else. You're different. You're created different. You're gifted differently. Don't, don't, try to, don't try to pursue anything else other than what God has called you to pursue and God has called you to be. Don't play the comparison game. Don't do it. So the, the third uh, thing that will keep us in insecurity is compensation. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about your paycheck. Although that will, that, can, that could cause. I'm talking about overcompensating. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you, you know these people, right? Probably not you, but it's the, it's the loud talker. Hey, everybody! Great to see you tonight! All eyes on me. I just walked in, but I want everybody to know I'm here. It's the loud talker. I need everybody's attention on me. It's the long laugher. <laughs> Woo, that's a good Google cluster. The long laugher. I need everybody to know that my laugh is better than everybody else's. I'm I'm laughing best. Right? It's it's the uh that hurt by the way. That was got me down here. Um it's the uh Hey, it's, it's, it's the one-upper. Oh, yeah, but you should hear my story. It's, it's, the, it's the person who, who always cutting you off when you're trying to talk because what they have to say is more important than what you have to say. It's the, the overcompensating. It's uh, the, the, the people who've always got better stories than, than you. They're more dramatic also. Oh, that's nothing, <laughs> Right? It's that kind of thing. Um, 
you know, growing up, I overcompensated a lot. Um, I, I think I even do it as an adult. Several weeks ago, back in October, actually, I went up to Montana with a group of pastors. I'm typically one of the younger pastors on the trip, and sometimes I feel like I have to overcompensate, and I have to, like, prove myself in a way. So, you know, I might throw in there, like, yeah, yeah we had 639 on launch day. Oh. <laughs> they don't care. But I feel I have to overcompensate to, like, fit in or something. You ever, you ever been there? Do you do that sometimes too? You, you feel like you have to do that. Growing up, I had to overcompensate a lot. I didn't have a, my dad passed away when I was seven, so I spent several years without a father figure, without a dad. And it, I think it took a toll on me. There, there was things that I had to overcompensate for, and it usually came in the way of my words to people, what I said to people. Let me, let me say it this way. I needed others to look bad so I could look good. I needed to say things and degrade people and make them look stupid so that I could look cool, that I could look better. I could feel better about myself. I mean, if, if I could make somebody else feel dumb. If I, could, I mean, I, I wish I could take back some of the things that I said and did because I was trying to compensate for that. Listen, compensating is not healthy. Compensation hides our shortcomings but humility exposes them. How do, we overcome compens- how, how do we overcome this compensation? Humility. Be humble. Luke 14, 10, Jesus said, instead, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the lowest seat. Okay, when you go to a party, don't sit next to the, don't sit next to the birthday boy. You go to the other side of the table and let them call you up instead of saying, what are you doing here? Your seat's way down there. Okay, so Jesus says, take the lowest seat, and when the host sees you, they'll say, hey, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who compensate, those who, who, who got to be boastful and loud and everybody eyes on me, they will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be lifted up. They'll be exalted. Paul said it this way in Ephesians He says, I'm a prisoner, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I'm in jail for serving the Lord, I'm begging you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've been called by God for. Always be humble. In other words, don't overcompensate, be gentle, be patient with each other, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So that's that's the third one. Number four is competition. Oh, I have to be better than you so that I can feel better about me, right? It's an insecurity that we have. If, if it's the house or the car or the clothes or the, the, the kids and athletics, whatever it is, it's always having to, it's just to compete. Ephesians four sixteen says, here's what he does. Jesus makes the whole body, not just one part of the body, perfect. The whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So we're not competing against one another so that the whole body is healthy. We're not out here, I'm not out here trying to compete against somebody else. No, 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 no. I'm cheering everybody else on. I want everybody to do well. I want everybody to to 
to make it happen. I want everybody to grow. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So one of the things that I try to teach our teams is that I want you to hold ministry with open hands. Okay, what does that mean? Well, what that means is um, that I'm not the only one who can make coffee. I want you to make coffee. I want, I'm not the only one who can hand out worship guides. Did you see the way she was handing out worship guides? Who, did th- who she thinks she is? She thinks she's the best worship guide hander outer there's ever been. I want to show her a thing or two. Here you go. I got more than you. Handing out worship guides. No, we, w- we wouldn't do that, really, but would we? Well, why didn't they choose me for that position? Why didn't they select me for that song or that, that thing? Why didn't they ask me to be a leader in the church? Come on, somebody. It's competition. And, and we got to hold it with open hands because guess what? If you're the only one who can drive the golf cart, we know your limit. You'll never be able to miss church ever again because you're the only one that can drive it, right? You can't take a vacation now because you're driving that golf cart. We can't, no, we got to have you driving it. So we give it away. We say, hey, you want to drive the golf cart? Come on, come on, come on. You want to drive, you, you want to be part, you want to be part of the worship team? Yeah, come on. Let's do this. Open-handed. It's ministry. You do it and do it better than me. I don't want you to do it and then fail at it so I can go, ha, ha, ha told you no 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 I want you to do better than me I want you to excel I want you to I I, I joked the other day I was kind of joking it it was freedom conference pastor Caleb's parents were in town and they were serving at our freedom conference because they do freedom back in Alabama and yeah Derek Sal represent so I, I just remember telling his dad I'm like yeah man he's trying to take my job and I, I, I mean, wouldn't that be a great thing for one day him to be a, a, a lead pastor somewhere, right? That'd be so good. And, and, but Connie said, well, Pastor Ben, that's what you tell us. Hold ministry with open hands. <laughs> exactly. Come on, let's hold ministry with open hands. Uh, when I think about competition, uh, just a, a, let me give you an example of what it looks like to play out well. Um, many of you know Jason Moody. Jason is, uh, he's just an incredible young man. I've known him since he was nine years old. Yeah, give it up for Jason. Um, Jason and his family moved here from Alabama with us to help us start the church. All, these, all of these floors in the, in the building, he and his team polished all these floors and made them look good and sharp. And I've known him for a very long time. And when they moved out here, he said, I just want to, want to serve. Whatever I can do, whatever I can do, I just want to serve. I want to be a blessing. I want to, I want to, I want to make a difference. And so let me say it this way. We wouldn't have a student ministry if it wasn't for the Moody's, okay? We wouldn't have a student ministry if it wasn't for them. And the, there was a time coming. I'd been talking with Jason, and, and we were getting ready to hire a student pastor, getting ready to hire Pastor Caleb and And Jason knew that transition was coming, and Caleb would be essentially taking Jason's role. And Jason really had a choice to make. How's he going to transition this? 
You know, because he can be a competitor. See what he can do. But he didn't do that. I was, I was watching. How, how's this going to play out? You know what he did? He arranged a team of people to help Caleb and Daniel move in on when they moved here. And he arranged some food for them that day. And he, he didn't compete with Caleb, but he told me, I want to do everything I can to help him succeed. I want him to stand on my shoulders and take it from here. Come on, that's what it's supposed to be like. That's so good. So we overcome competition by helping others succeed. It's not about me anymore. It's about helping somebody else succeed. So the more we serve others, the more secure we become. Rather than be threatened by others, why don't we be thrilled for others? You can tweet that. I mean, if, if you're, you're tweeting anymore. I don't know if you're tweeting or I don't know what's, what's up, right? Rather than be threatened by them, let's be thrilled for them. Come on. I, dude, I'm so proud of you. Tell me what you need. I'm there to help you, right? Well, the founder of ARC, the Association of Related Churches, he's, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. His name is Billy Hornsby. And I never had the privilege of meeting him. I came, I came along after him. But he's known for saying, my greatest accomplishment belongs to someone else. In other words, I didn't do it. I just empowered somebody else to do it. I wasn't in competition with them. I helped somebody else. And it's a touchdown on my scoreboard. So Philippians, Paul says it this way. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. We're not trying to compete. Don't look for, for only for yourself, but have an interest in other people too. All right, number five is criticism. Criticism will strip you of security. I mean, this is where we say, well, since I can't compete with them, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just make sure I'll pull them down. I mean, I don't want them to succeed, so I'll say some things about them. I'll make it hard for them. I'll criticize them. I'll make it difficult for them to succeed. Ephesians 4, Paul says, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be good and helpful. That's the opposite of criticism, (laughs) y'all. Criticism tears down. We want to build up. So, so build up so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Criticism is where we start to get judgmental. And we start to believe the worst in other people. So we overcome criticism by valuing others. We value other people. Now imagine if I had a $100 bill. I don't. With me. But... Uh, but what if I had a $100 bill, but it had been rained on, it was all muddy. It even, I even picked it up out of a pile of poo, right? <laughs> or how many of you would still take that $100 bill? Why would you take it? Because it's still worth $100. It, it didn't lose its value. The blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power because it reaches to the highest mountains and it flows 
to the lowest valleys. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. Come on, somebody. It'll never lose its power. The same way that $100, that old crusty, nasty, $100 doesn't lose its value. The blood of Jesus never loses its power, never loses its value. So we value people. Why do we value people? Because they never lose their value. Come on, I'm going to say that again. Why do we value people? Because they never lose their value. They matter. They still, ma- like, they still matter to God. No matter what they've done, no matter what they've been through, no matter how far from God they are, they still are valuable. But I don't want, I don't want him in my small group, Pastor Ben. <laughs> we got to value him. But she doesn't wear deodorant. We got to value people, right? I don't like him. We got to value people. So we overcome criticism by valuing. Number six is condemnation. This is something I think we, we all deal with, condemnation. In Ephesians 4, Paul says, get rid of bitterness and rage and anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other. He says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because Christ forgave you. So, so here's, here's what I'm trying to say. If you want to overcome condemnation, the guilt, the shame, all the stuff of your past, you have to not only receive the forgiveness, but you actually also have to extend forgiveness. You've got to receive it and extend forgiveness. It's two-sided. Romans 8 says, there's therefore now no condemnation. Aren't you glad there's no condemnation? How much condemnation is there for those who are in Christ? No, nada, zero, zilch. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I was growing up in church, I felt like the the main theme of most church services was to tell you how bad you are, right? Well, you're going to hell, and really there's no hope for you, unless maybe if you... Come crawling back to God on your hands and knees. And then maybe he'll extend the rod of forgiveness towards you, right? That's the way I felt. I'm just being honest with you. I felt like there's, you're all sinners. There is no hope. (laughs) But the Bible says, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west... That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And he does not count our sins against us. Come on. Woo. I think I'm preaching longer than I realize. I better hurry. I'm I'm loving this. I'm getting into it because I haven't preached live in several weeks, okay? The last one, number seven. Worship team, y'all can come on up. Number seven is calling. That seems kind of weird, but calling can strip you of your security. Calling can make you insecure because you go, I can't do that. I can't do what God's called me to do. I got a past. But your past is in the past. Yeah, we all got a past. But your past is in the past. I I can't do that. I can't follow God's plan for my life. I've got to go through the leadership academy first. 
I would love for you to, but you don't have to do that to follow God's plan for your life. We've had 45 people show up to a startup party. Some people are saying, yes, I want to be part of the Leadership Academy. Our next startup party, by the way, is December 13, 14, something like that. You don't have to go through that to, to follow your calling, but, but calling can cause us to go, I, I, I don't have my act together. I, I've, I've got some things that I've, I've got to deal with, I've got to work on. And so I can't follow the calling. I'm insecure about the calling. So these are some things, some insecurities that really can cause us, some things that can cause insecurities. But what I want to do is I want to take a few more minutes and I want to show you where the absolutely unshakable, unbreakable security can be found. Where there is certainty in the middle of insecurity. And that is in the presence of God. It's the fastest way. It's the fastest way to break through those insecurities. Now, I'll tell you, my goal tonight is not to just spell out some things that, oh, here's some good knowledge for you about insecurities. That's not what it's about. That's the precursor to what I'm about to tell you. And that is, ra rather than just tell you about some insecurities, what I really want is for you to surrender those insecurities in the presence of God. To just let Him wash over you. And I'm convinced that, that there's not a place, there's not a place that can make me more secure than being in the presence of God. I'm bold when I'm in the presence of God. I'm full of faith when I'm in the presence of God. I'm secure when I'm in the presence of God. Man, I, I am anointed when I'm in the presence of God. I'm full of joy when I'm in the presence of God. I feel like I can just go on for days when I'm in the presence of God. Man, I just, I got, I got a pep to my step and I'm ready to go. Like, things change when I get in the presence of God. And what we believe is that one moment in the presence of God can change everything. It can change everything. So the presence of God can bring security to your life. Now, you might walk out and still have to face those same things that you were facing when you came in but maybe you can face them with a different perspective maybe you can face them with a little bit more joy maybe you can face it with some freedom in your life because you got in the presence of God the fastest way to the presence of God is through worship it's through worship I tell you I've been through some we've been through some stuff in life you've been through stuff we've been through stuff we've all been through something and every time I get in the presence of God, every time I just begin to worship, it leads me to an encounter with God. And I leave changed. I leave different. And that's what I want to see for you tonight. These insecurities that we deal with, I want to... I won't say that. Um, I was going to say, we need to drop it like it's hot, but... Uh, we need to drop these insecurities at the altar <laughs> there was a church sign one time that literally said bring your sin to the altar and drop it like it's hot uh, moving right on 
how do I get in the presence of God? Worship. Leave the stuff at the altar. Come to the altar. Worship. Here's what worship does. It Worship ushers you into the presence of God. Worship is a weapon. I'm telling you, there's something that happens in the spirit realm when you begin to worship. There's something that happens in the heavenlies when you begin to worship. There's a connection between you and God when you begin to worship. Worship is a weapon. Worship is warfare. I declare war in the heavenlies. And worship is my weapon. It's my warfare. Worship is winning the war in the spirit realm first. Worship is laying everything else down at the altar and turning our attention to God and saying, you're bigger, you're stronger, you're greater. My security is in you. My hope is in you. My faith is in you. My foundation is in you. God, you are everything that I need. Worship causes me to forget about my circumstance, causes me to forget about my comparison, my compensation, my competition, my criticism, my condemnation, and to call on God, to focus on Him. Worship is the response to the realization of who I am in relationship to who He is. That's what worship is. I don't know if you caught that or not. It's the response to the realization of who I am in relationship to who God is. Worship flips the tables of insecurities. I can't be insecure when I'm in the presence of God. I cannot be insecure when I'm in His presence. And I believe that one of the best ways for you to win the battle against insecurities is to worship your way through it. This is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. It's worship. This is how I find my battles. I turn my attention to you, Lord. This is how I find my battles. Come on, y'all help me sing. Y'all help me sing. Come on. This is how I find.